Welcome to No Ordinary Ordinary Women, Women. the podcast where two ordinary broads chat about extraordinary women, the good, uh, the bad, and and the batshit crazy. Hi, Rose. You're supposed to wait like 10 seconds before you say it. Oh, okay, hold on. Nine, eight, seven, six, <laughs> five, four, three, two, one. Hi, Rose. Oh, hey, Lynn. How are you? I'm tired, Rose. I'm a busy woman. Oh, Lynn. I'm a busy know. woman. I don't know what I'm going to do with and, you. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. What is happening? <laughs> We're going off the rails like 30 seconds in. We have started. <laughs> and I'm ready to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god guys sorry i was just i never mind <laughs> i made a post as we were sitting here i was waiting for rose to look at flights to hawaii for her family because she thinks she's gonna talk her husband into that <laughs> <laughs> and i was making a post and i just went to share it on my own anyway you guys don't care you don't care yeah. no one cares <laughs> lynn no one cares. <laughs> she was playing on her phone and started some music i was playing with my phone myself my phone <laughs> Playing with herself over there. <laughs> Thought I couldn't see her. It's hot in here all of a sudden. It right? is. Hot I know. <laughs> Something I'd really have to. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> so, okay. So we probably, we got here a little while ago and then we got started a little. We, we, we got actually, here like 45 minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, and we, we need to get started. But um, so in honor of Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, whoop, whoop, we, um, I made um, hurricanes, which is like a very famous drink down in New Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleans, and it's um, let's see, dark rum, light rum, which is hitting me hard right now. I know. Um, passion fruit juice, orange juice, cherry juice, simple syrup, and lime juice. Holy cow! It's very good. It is good. It is I'm, really I'm not good. into really fruity drinks, but it's fun for me to have like one or two. Like when we do it here, because yeah. otherwise I could, I would never like go out and order this. But if somebody handed me one for free, I would drink it. I, it's totally <laughs> your kind. It's absolutely it, your yeah, kind. Yeah, I of would drink. totally drink it. Yeah, and I'm not I a am. huge fan of passion fruit juice, but I think it's still good. All the rum just drowns out. I the love passion, passion fruit. fruit. I like passion, and I like fruit. <laughs> I don't necessarily like passion fruit. <laughs> I already had to hear that joke, <laughs> <laughs> so I said it again for all my fans. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> no, it's really good. And I brought my um, big margarita glasses, so we're having... She brought her big... Big margarita uh, glasses. Margarita glasses. <laughs> so, it's a lot, and we're almost done with them already. Yeah, we're almost done with them. So Lynn sat here and but we still messed have, around like, for 45 I minutes. I didn't even... I made four drinks. That's what I do now, is I just make four drinks. Oh, really? And we... Yeah, and so we still have, like... Oh, better get on it. Three quarters of the thing, so... I might be calling on Uber to go home. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, well, you're going Thank first. Thank God I'm going first. I know, because by the time I go, I'm going to be laying on the ground with the microphone. Yeah, I was now. just looking for my paper. You're looking for your paper? For my paper to read when I, it's on my computer. When have you ever had a paper? I don't know when I was doing that. Wow, drunk much? <laughs> I don't even feel like drunk at all. Oh, it is hot in here, though. It's <sighs> super hot. Well, it's only like 80 degrees outside. I went for a walk this afternoon with Penelope, and... I this morning I had on a sweatshirt and I was kind of hot by the end of the walk 
I, I go like a eleven around eleven, and then today tonight. This, <laughs> oh my god! This afternoon, I went for another walk, and I had on a tank top, and I was sweating. I know. And Penelope was panting. She was like, <laughs> "I was getting like, a sunburn sitting at the light." Yeah, it was <laughs> on the way over here. <laughs> the light that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it's so beautiful out, but you know, I went from work. To here, this, and we're in <laughs> by the time we get out, it'll be pitch black and this three by eight room <laughs> right. with no windows. So we really got to enjoy it. Yeah, actually, it might be still be a little bit light by the time we leave. I doubt it. The, the, the rate we're going. the rate we're going. That's true. That's true. We've already been here for forty five minutes yeah. messing around. And we got nothing done. Yeah. Nothing. We got a post. We got a post. Ooh. So you guys go to look our post. Look at work Go look at our post from last week. On our Insta, Facebook, I'll share it on Twitter, and you can see the drinks we had. Oh, yeah, our hurricane. Hurricanes. She came in like a hurricane. Okay, go ahead, Rose. She came in like a wrecking ball. I changed the words. I was freestyling, Rose. God. Sounded great. I know. (laughs) I know. They're going to be calling me soon. I know. And I'm going to leave you, and you're going to be like, where'd she go? Oh, yeah. I'll be so sad. You're gonna be like in the corner, like come back to me. You're so famous and rich now. Yeah, I might bring you with me. We'll see. I can be your backup dancer. Yeah, you and Yana. They would cancel you immediately. Yana would totally freestyle that. Oh my god! All right, Rose, you need to go before I get okay. All right, all right. All right. Rose is everyone ready? I'm very serious. Being very serious. I have lots of hard words to pronounce tonight. Oh, no. Thank God I don't. I have a cheat sheet, though. So, All right. Sacagawea was born in the Shoshone tribe sometime around 1788 in what is now Idaho. When she was somewhere around the age of 12, she was kidnapped by the Hadatsa tribe during a buffalo hunt. So the Hadatsa tribe were the enemy of the Shoshone tribe, and they had guns, and the Shoshone tribe didn't. So they went in and, like, massacred everyone. Not everyone, but a lot of people, and then stole a bunch of young girls. Took over the village and stuff. Yeah, stole a bunch of young girls and took them back to their village in Bismarck, North Dakota. Yeah. So there is some controversy about whether or not they changed her name. Some say that her name is actually Hadatsa and that it means um, bird woman. Okay. But the Shoshone say that it actually means boat pusher in Shoshone and that it was always her name. So, I mean, this was in 1788, yeah. so who knows? It's interesting. I wonder if... So I don't know if you came across this when you were... Probably not, but um, when... Sorry to interrupt you, but... Um, in in tribes like that, in, in indigenous people, I wonder if you received your name after a certain point in your life like that. So, like, you can't... No. Do, you, do you give the person the name, the baby the name, or do you wait and see what their I name th- develops into? I think they give the name when they're born because she has a son and names him right away. Oh, okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, right. But I don't know. Each pusher? tribe like, could be different. Right. Like, how do they come up with it? Yeah. But, like, Hawaiians, which could be... You know, they have a lot of yeah. similarities. Um, they give names when they're born. And so the way Hawaiian names work is that, so all of my kids have Hawaiian names. And my neighbor who was 
I think she was almost like pure Hawaiian, which is very rare. Uh-huh. She was older. Um, and she named Joseph. And Joseph's middle name is Kekio Kekai Kaena, which means child of the sea. And then Kaena is for Kaena Point where we lived. And um, I didn't, she didn't know me when I, I mean, she didn't, I wasn't around her when I was pregnant. Uh-huh. But it took her like my whole entire pregnancy to come up with the name. So because she made, has to think about me and, and the child and what she feels and all that. So what made you, how does that happen? Like, do you choose her? You say, hey, I need you to come up with the name. So or? you're supposed to go with someone who's Hawaiian. Oh, and she's the only person you knew that was totally that Hawaiian. Was like pure, yeah, she was pure Hawaiian. Uh, or she oh, wasn't so pure, cool. but she was almost pure. That's a lot of pressure. Right. And so um, she passed away between Joseph and Charlotte because there's a 10-year age gap. Uh-huh. And so her granddaughter, my friend Hailey, who is my, one of my bridesmaids. Oh, I didn't know that. She named uh, Lily and Charlotte. So is she 100% Hawaiian too? She's not, but she's got a lot of Hawaiian. Okay. And so she did the same thing. Took She took like almost my whole pregnancy to come up with their names. Oh, my God. That's, pr- and that's she, a lot of pressure, yeah, Rose. I can't Charlotte imagine. Charlotte is um, Kalenani, which is... Lynn's the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It means Lynn's the greatest. <laughs> which is beautiful child. Oh. And... My name's Kanani. My my Hawaiian name's Kanani, which is beautiful girl. And then Lily's Makanalani, which is beautiful. No, I'm sorry, heavenly gift. Oh, okay. Which is funny because she didn't know. Like I had a miscarriage in between Charlotte and Lily. Right. And it kind of it's very fitting. Oh, that is that is oh, that's so cool. What a cool like that's a very cool tradition. Yeah. And so they really think about it, like and and you know get feelings from it and stuff. So I imagine the Native Americans. It must be something it's similar. A lot, yeah. It would make it's total sense. Similar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you. I just. Which, when you, th- you hear this story and you think about Boat Pusher, it's kind of like, it's kind of fitting for Sacagawea. Mm-hmm. Because she, I for mean. For sure, yeah. She did this and they were in boats a lot. And, yeah. 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 So. so when she was about 13 or 14, through some kind of gambling debt or a purchase of some sort, she became the one of two wives to a French-Canadian fur trader named Toussaint Charbonneau. And he wow. was living in the Hodatsa village and had adopted many of the Native American traditions, including polygamy. Oh, so I guess wow. a lot of the tribes were polygamous. I told you I'm watching Sister Wives, right? Yeah, I know. You got very excited when I said that. <laughs> I saw the, the excitement in your up. eyes. Like, Not that I want to do it, but I Lynn's like, like, I know all about that. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. I just know about the garbage. <laughs> um, Tucson was about 20 years older than Sacagawea, and she was 13 or 14. So okay, disgusting. That's really weird. If you ask me. Another one, Rose. Just keep going with those I, I mean, rights. Apparently, that's all that happened back back in the day. <laughs> FYI, I'm not talking about a child bride this week, so you oh, guys can hang in. Oh, yeah. everyone better just get off after my story. Yeah. Well, ew, Rose. Ew. Nobody needs <laughs> to do that, Rose. I meant uh, stop FYI, listening. that was not intentional. <laughs> you can do whatever you want with your own body. <laughs> in the privacy of your own home. Whatever. <laughs> okay. So it's time for a little history lesson. Oh, God. In 1803, our friend Thomas Jefferson sent our friend James Monroe to France with a budget of $10 million in an attempt to buy New Orleans and part of Florida. What was Louisiana purchase? <laughs> Good job! Did I get it right? Yeah, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rose, I have to tell you a funny story. I have to tell you a funny story. 
I remember nothing from high school, nothing. But I started learning about the Louisiana Purchase and went down a deep dive in high school and wrote this long paper. Like I had it, I know like everything about really? it. And it's like, the <laughs> oh, great. Only, now you're going to correct me when I tell you about it. The only thing I remember about <laughs> high school, like the only thing I remember learning, because I slept through most of my classes. I was not. I That's just so funny. School. But I. I, the, oh you were God. interested for some reason. For some reason, I was like, when they were like, "Where, where, what was the, what were the boundaries of Louisiana Purchase?" And I'm like, "It started at," and I literally <laughs> did like a, a word of words of map of where it went and the boundaries. Oh my and God, everything. that's so funny. And the teacher was like, "I just needed it was between these, you know, like border these." Yeah, right. right. I was like, but I gave the like. That's <laughs> not so the funny. Coordinates, but like, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry. Who knew? The one the thing one she thing knows know. about history is <laughs> the one thing I know. Louisiana Purchase. <laughs> now she's going to school me when I tell her about it. Yeah. So um, he gave him a budget of $10 million. And I'd like to point out that James, I said our friends Thomas Jefferson and James Monroe because they both have houses here in Charlottesville. Yes, and they're I got, neighbors. I got married I at James Monroe's. Yes, oh, you did. That's right. Ashland Highland. Yeah. It's beautiful. So $10 million back then was about $264 million today. Wow. Damn it. I wasn't going to tell you that. I was going to make you guess. Oh, no. <laughs> no I'm way done. you would have guessed that, though. I exerted all my I energy. Know. I blew my whole wad on the Louisiana Purchase. You blew your wad? <laughs> <laughs> so um, Napoleon had already decided that he wanted to sell all of France's territory in the U.S. for about $22 million. Dynamite? No, dollars. No, Napoleon Dynamite? Oh. <laughs> I was like, no, dollars, Lindy. He doesn't sell for two million dynamite. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll shut up. Yeah, please do. <laughs> so Monroe and Napoleon negotiated for a few weeks, and eventually he talked him down and bought the land for $15 million, $5 million over his original budget, which is today is $132 million. So can you imagine telling your boss that you're like, oh, I'm $132 million over budget this year? I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it took several, several, oh my God, took several months <laughs> for the official news to reach Jefferson in Washington, D.C., and the Louisiana Purchase was announced on July 4th, 1803. Fun fact. July 4th was also the day the Declaration of Independence was passed. What? I mean, obviously you knew that. that. But also the day that John Adams, James Monroe, and Thomas Jefferson died. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's... Maybe I did know that. So I knew... Yeah, you probably... Yeah, you probably knew it, like have heard it before. Like like on a tour of Monticello or something. But I remember... I remember that a president died, that there were three big things that happened that day. Well, I thought it was three, but it was actually more than that. But I knew that a president had died that day, too. That's But crazy. I didn't realize it was the three of them. I thought it was the one that got stuck in the bathtub. Who was that? I don't know. The I, president, I, the real big one who got stuck in the bathtub. Oh, uh, wasn't that, uh, uh, what's his name? Her- not Harrison. Um, it does start with an H, I think. Yeah, I thought so, too. Um, I don't know. <sighs> Oh, my God. What's his name? She knows a he lot about the, the Louisiana guy. Purchase. I told you. I don't, it's the only thing I know of history. It's the only thing I know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, my God. It's going to drive me crazy. Be- Let me Google it real quick. Henry. No. Uh, 
Harrison, uh, Harrison, Her is it Harrison? Ford? No, he's not the president. God damn it, Rose. William Howard Taft. Well, we are way wrong. <laughs> Howard with the Howard, H. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I? Th who am I thinking of? Who was the fattest president? I mean, that's not a nice thing to say. But... Are you googling that? Yeah. I think he was, wasn't he? I thought that's why he was known because nobody oh, was. Taft, yeah. Nobody was overweight back then, you know. Yeah. Well, not Howard not no well, one. Well, only rich people could be overweight. Right. Poor people yeah. could be overweight. But I, who am I thinking of? Death. Anyway, I'm sorry. All right. Anyway, the Louisiana Purchase brought or bought 200. The Louisiana Purchase bought two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. I feel like I have dyslexia. The Louisiana purchase bought <laughs> 828,000 square miles of territory from France and doubled the size of the United States. Yep. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> it's so nice to know something. <laughs> you guys have to see Lynn. She's over there like shaking her head. Like, yep. yep. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's what Check happened. Mark. <laughs> Oh my god, you're killing me. Versus like I've never known her when she's known something. <laughs> I'm so shocked. I don't know how to act. <laughs> they paid less than three cents per acre. Three cents per acre. Wow. Wouldn't that be nice if the property was that much in Albemarle <laughs> County right now? <laughs> yeah. And the land stretched from the Mississippi River in the east to the Rocky Mountains in the west and from the Gulf Coast. <laughs> stop shaking your head. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> Oh, my God, you're killing me. Like, I can see it in my mind. <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I was that excited about learning everything in school. Why the Louisiana Purchase? I have no idea what it was. Like, I just went on this deep dive. I don't know. Somebody slipped me some Adderall. I have no idea. It was like the first time in my whole life I was interested in school. Oh, my God. All right. So it from the Gulf Coast from to... From the Gulf Coast to the South... In the south to the Canadian border in the north and eventually created about 15 states. The Louisiana Purchase is one of the biggest accomplishments Thomas Jefferson is known for. But he is also known for writing the Declaration of Independence, founding UVA. I was going to say UVA. University of Virginia, which is in Charlottesville, and raping his slaves. Oh, Rose. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Wow. Okay. It's true. People just. No, just, it is true. It's, it's, you know, it was, I was not expecting that at all. But no, it's. I mean, at least they give homage to the slaves up there now. I mean, it's. Yeah. Yeah. We're going up there in a week or two because Charlotte just learned about Thomas Jefferson. It's, it's such a cool tour. Yeah. He was such an innovative, ma innovative man. Like the. I love going on that tour every time I, know, I go I, I do yeah new. yeah it's very cool but he's very problematic but they they kind of work that into the tour now yeah so. they do talk about it and you know which they should absolutely and I think a lot of Sally Hemings um, ancestors are now involved in mm -hmm. Monticello do you know um, a little tidbit of information so my sister for one of her is it her, about the Louisiana Purchase it's not about Louisiana Purchase Louisiana Purchase my sister did um, a, a thesis paper or some sort of like major paper for college yeah on the bell the Sally Hemings bell oh, okay and so she got to actually go to Monticello and got the back 
you know, oh, the really? back door. Oh, really? I want to do that, yeah. And she got to, like, touch the bell and hold it, and and she got, like, to... She reached out to Sally Hemings' ancestors as part of her paper and talked to them. And Wow. This is right when things were starting to come out about Sally Hemings. Yeah, right. And, like, people were starting to recognize her. And... And her, his, her, she got some really mixed responses Reviews. from yeah. his family, and and understandably from her family, from Sally Hemings' family, understandably. Um, but it was, yeah, it was very cool. That's like, really cool. Just, yeah, I mean, to do it on that that bell was like infamous. You know, if you've never seen Thomas Jefferson's Monticello, it is gorgeous. It's yeah. a gorgeous piece of property. His house is gorgeous. Yeah, you can see like forever. You can see the Blue Ridge Mountains from he's his house is on the Southwest Mountains in yeah. Charlottesville. And you can see all the way to the Blue Ridge, um, the and whole town of Charlottesville. James Monroe is like down the road and not quite as nice. <laughs> yeah, well, it's 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 still you, a really no cool view. property. There's yeah, no view. it's a beautiful. I mean, it was property. still you a beautiful mountains and stuff, but you can't. Yeah, yeah, it's not but like, it's a lot less expensive to have your wedding there. Yeah. It was like twenty thousand dollars or something to have your wedding at Monticello. Are you serious? That's just to have your for the venue. I can't even imagine having a, that. Makes sense. That's that's how much like back when you got married, uh, even before that. That's how much it is at like. Um, um, Pippin Hill. Yeah. It's like 20 grand. It's probably something. like 30, 40 now. Easily. Yeah. Easily. So, with the purchase of all that land, Jefferson needed explorers. He was specifically looking into the Northwest Passage. He was specifically looking into the. No- <laughs> what is wrong with me, Lynn? Uh, I- he was specifically looking for the Northwest Passage. Dark rum and light rum. <laughs> That's what's wrong with you, <laughs> The Northwest Passage. He, he was specifically that, but... looking for the North... Hold on, I got a joke here. Okay. He was specifically looking for the Northwest Passage, which is also known as Lynn's Vagina. <laughs> Rose! That would be the Southeast Passage. I beg your pardon. The North The North one would be my... my I was uh... trying to get my delivery right for that joke. <laughs> so, so I was cracking up when I The Northwest it. Passage would be my the crevice between my boobs. Yeah, I guess so. But it was still funny when I wrote it. <laughs> Joke failed. <laughs> no, it didn't fail. It was funny. <laughs> I got many laughs out of it. Every okay. time I reread my story, I laughed. <laughs> well, that's all that matters. That was worth it. That's all that matters. Oh, my God. So Jefferson wanted these explorers to survey the land and learn as much about Native American tribes as possible and make maps of everywhere they had been. So he turned to his secretary and main man, Meriwether Lewis. Main man? Yeah, this is main man, Meriwether Lewis. Oh. Oh. I was like, okay. To head up this team, 29-year-old Lewis chose his friend, 33-year-old William Clark, as his co-captain. I thought it was important to point out their ages because they're so young. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 29 and 33. One of them was born. Although back then, that's like 90 and... <laughs> One of them was born right on Route 20. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little house. There's a histor- historic pla- historical oh, placard. Oh, there is. Yeah. On Route 20, like if you're going yeah. in, like toward Pantops. Um, and there's a big, old, beautiful brick house there. And then there's like a little house like in the middle of the cow pasture. Yeah. And it's a Lewis and Clark. One of them was born. I there. remember seeing that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's that's the cool, cool thing about Virginia is we have so much history. Like, it's very cool. so much history. Yeah, good, the good, the bad, and the bad shit crazy. Right. Exactly. For sure. That's what they should have named Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After a year of planning, they finally started on their journey, 
They led about 40 men in three boats up the Missouri River. During the winter months, Lewis and Clark built their encampment, Fort Mandan, near the Hidatsa villages, where Sacagawea and her lovely new husband were living. At this point in time, Sacagawea was about six months pregnant. Everything says that her husband, Tucson, was not very nice. I mean, he married a 13-year-old, so I think you kind of figured that. But So Tucson proposed that Lewis and Clark hire him as a guide and interpreter, and they recognized the value of Sacagawea and Tucson's combined language skills. Most of the core members spoke only English, and one spoke French and English. Tucson spoke French and Hidatsa, as well as some sign languages common among river tribes, and Sacagawea spoke Hidatsa and Shoshone, which were both na- native languages, but they were very, very different. So Sacagawea would would um, talk to the Shoshone tribe. Mm-hmm. She'd translate that to Hidatsa for Tucson. Uh-huh. Tucson would gen- translate that to French oh my God. for the one guy who spoke French. Uh-huh. And then he would then translate it to English for the rest of the. Oh my crew. god, that's like a game of telephone. I know. You know the message I'm like, was who never knows the same. What's happening? Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. On February eleventh, eighteen o five, Sacagawea gave birth to a son, Jean Baptiste Charbonneau. Mm. Clark gave him the name of Pomp, meaning firstborn in Shoshone. On April seventh, eighteen o five, with her baby on her back. Sacagawea and the men left Fort Mandan. Sacagawea was about 17 years old when she left on the expedition and was the youngest person and only woman, well, girl, (laughs) she was 17, among 31 men. Her job on the expedition was to guide the men through the Idaho-Montana region where she grew up. She was able to communicate with other tribes and interpret for the group. She was also good at finding edible plants, which helped with their rations. And she was also really good at just knowing the land yeah. and where, like, what they should do and shouldn't do and where they should go and shouldn't go. But, you know, something a bunch of white men from St. Louis or wherever yeah. they were from didn't know. The other thing was that because she and her baby were traveling with the group, the men in the group appeared less intimidating because they're... You know, when they come up upon, like, a tribe, Mm -hmm. the tribe would see that they have a woman and a child with them. So it would appear appear a little less intimidating. It's not going to be as aggressive, maybe. Yeah. Especially because she was probably leading them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And she was Native American. So it was a little more like, okay, you know, a little more acceptable, I guess. That would be scary for her, though, to be walking all these white men around. I can't even imagine. I know. That's one, one of the things I'll talk about at the end of my story is... What really went on? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I'm not getting a good feeling about it. But anyway, go ahead. So about a month into their trip, it was a really windy day, and the wind caused the boat to tip sideways and start filling with water. All of their valuables started falling into the water, and all the things that they had been working on and things that they needed to finish the expedition, like maps, books, navigational equipment, mm. medicines, clothes, food— Everything was, like, tipping. They didn't, like, completely capsize, but it was tipping over and falling into the water. And Tucson just completely froze, and he was, like, didn't know what to do. And Sacagawea started grabbing things, and she managed to save everything while also, saving saving her baby. Yeah. Oh, my God. And taking care of her baby. And all the guys were like, oh, my God. Yeah, right. 
Which I, I'm sure, like, so many women can relate to. You know? <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. Modern day, even, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Lewis and Clark were so, like, appreciative and stunned that she did that, that they named that part of the river after her. Aww. Clark and Sacagawea became pretty close because she and her baby, Pomp, would often go with him when he would walk the shore to check the river. So I guess they needed to, like, stop every so often and someone would get off and walk up the shore of the right. river and check for, like, beaver dams or... Yeah, or maybe, like... Rocks, yeah, or waterfalls. Like waterfall, yeah, that's what I was thinking, <laughs> like, dangerous areas. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, because I think at that point they would, like, get out and walk. You know, back in the day, if there was something like that, you would get out and walk around it with your boat. You wouldn't... Oh, yeah, right. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. But they had a lot of shit, so I'm sure yeah. they tried to stay in the boat as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. So in August of 1805, the group came upon the Shoshone tribe, which is her, her original tribe. Lewis and Clark were able to meet with the chief, and Sacagawea was their translator. Not long into the meeting, she realized that the chief was her brother. Oh, my God. And they both, like, started crying. Like, she ran oh. up to him and hugged him, and they were crying. And so, like, she hadn't seen him since she was 12. She hadn't oh seen any God. of her family since she was 12. And it was like— Did she realize—wait, did she realize this was her tribe as she got there or not until th- after they started talking? I think talking? she already knew because she, she knew Shoshone. Mm. So she, she must have known it was her tribe. I'm sure okay. at 12 she remembered being kidnapped. Yeah, that's true. That's true. This okay. was five years later, so. Oh, you know. yeah, it was not. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, yeah, not until they were ha- having conversation did she realize it was her brother. Oh, my God. Which I can't even imagine that feeling. But, of course, she was, you know, she had to go back and finish the expedition with yeah. these people. Yeah. So she convinced... Um, the Shoshone tribe to give the explorers more guides and horses to help them get through the Rocky Mountains. On November 15th, 1805, they finally reached the Pacific Ocean. This was, they started in, what did I say, April? I think April is when they started. I don't remember what you said. I don't remember. Either. I wasn't listening. I wrote it too, so. <laughs> <laughs> but it took them a long time. They finally reached the Pacific Ocean and needed to immediately start preparing for winter. So everyone made a big deal Every, like, article I read made a big deal about this. They asked Sacagawea for her input on where and how they should build their winter quarters. And I guess that was, like, a sign of how much they respected her because uh-huh. they were asking, like, a woman and a Native American woman to, like, what they should do and how they should build. Where were they in the, on the Pacific? Where, what, what part of the West Coast? Um, you know, it, it didn't. I mean, you don't really need to prepare I don't for think winter it on said. the West Coast. Yeah. So they must have been like north. I think it was like Oregon, Oregon. or something. Yeah, yeah. Was thinking. I'm thinking it's somewhere Washington or Oregon. Okay. Oregon is what I had in mind, but I don't know if I read that or just made it up. I probably made it up, but it's okay. Most likely. Sounds good. That's what I usually do. So they built Fort Clatsop near the Columbia River and stayed there until March 23rd, 1806. On the return trip, they split into two groups with Clark leading one and Lewis leading the other. And on August 14th, 1806, both groups arrived back at the Hidatsa village. For his service on the expedition, Tucson received 320 acres of land and $500.33, which is about $12,000. To walk across the whole country? <laughs> Just half of it. Oh, From half. North Dakota to... Oh, North Dakota. Okay. Yeah, and back. $500. Hmm. 
So I was surprised that five hundred dollars is only twelve thousand dollars now. Five hundred dollars in eighteen oh six. I feel like it should be yeah, more, way like, more than yeah, that. I feel, like, I feel like it should be like. A, I don't know about those those calculators sometimes. Yeah, you probably look up the wrong one though. And how much do you think Sacagawea got for her work? Oh, she didn't get shit. She probably got, <laughs> yeah. she probably got like a bag of corn or something. No, she didn't get like anything. That. Yeah, well, there, go figure. <laughs> So a while after they returned, Lewis and Clark started getting ready to go back to St. Louis. But before they left, Clark offered to take Sacagawea's son with him back to St. Louis so that he could receive a good education. And he's like, I'll raise him as my own. Aw. But there's a wasn't there a statue in Charlottesville, like um, on Main Street? It was of Sacagawea with pointing and then... Weren't they, like, capturing her? Wasn't it, like, Lewis and no, Clark? No, it was... Sacagawea was, like, under Lewis and Clark, or just one of them, and she was pointing. Yeah, but was, I thought it was, like, an aggressive thing. Where... Well, the they said it was just pointing. I never actually saw the statue, but, but they wanted it taken down because... Well, because... I mean, obviously... Sacagawea wasn't probably a wi- was probably not a willing participant, right. right? Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I thought it was... I thought... I don't know. Like, I feel like I feel like it was them, like, grabbing her, and she was, like, trying to get no, away. No, no, it was her pointing, like, in the right direction. Oh, okay. It was what it was supposed to be. Okay. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't think a 17-year-old Native American girl was willingly going with 31 white men yeah. who were way older than she was. Yeah, to, older than her father. Right. right. Yeah. On a trip. <laughs> yeah, while she's carrying a baby While she's carrying a baby on her back, right. Oh, my God. So... Sacagawea and Tucson told Clark, like, no thanks, (laughs) because the baby was only two at that point. And they, you know, like, I I, I thought it was very weird. Like, why does he want to take the baby and raise it? Like, did he just form a bond with it when they were on? Well, he probably, you know, as sad as it is, he probably thought that he was doing her a favor by, like, he's going to get a great education. Right. Yeah, I'm sure he did. But at the same time, she's like, "Uh, step off, dude. It's my kid. You're not taking my kid. I mean... And I'm not saying, I mean, I I hope that he had good intention in it, right? So. And I and I I honestly, I I think he may have because you'll hear yeah. more in the story. So, I think I think maybe he just formed. I wonder. I I really wonder if he and Sacagawea had some kind of relationship. But wasn't her husband there? Yeah, oh. but maybe maybe not a physical one, but mm-hmm. some kind of connection or something. Well, he, maybe he respected her, where he saw that you know everyone else treated her like. I mean, a it could have been. She, yeah. Maybe he gave her. Who maybe knows? he offered her more respect. And I think he formed a bond with the the little boy. And I mean, he was you know thirty three at this point. He that's super old back mm-hmm. then. He probably knew he would never have a kid and get married. Yeah, so. that's true. I don't know. So, not much is known about her life after the expedition. But when Pomp was five, Sacagawea and Tucson brought him to the St. Louis and left him with Clark to raise and educate. Oh, wow. In return, Clark gave them land to farm nearby, so they they weren't far, but oh, okay. he, they said that he sent Pomp to a boarding school, so I don't know. So he's like in the city where, yeah. Right. So Sacagawea and her husband didn't stay there long, but when they left, they left him, Pomp, there with Clark, who was now his godfather. Hmm. And I'm sure, you know, for Pomp, it was... Not easy because he was raised in a Native American village Mm -hmm. and he's moved to a city full of white people. Yeah. 
and sent to probably an all-white school. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm not sure if he, I mean, it's hard to tell what he looked like. You know, I, I'm not sure if he, he looked like he was Native American. Yeah, find a picture online. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are lots of pictures of him. So I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It sounds like he maybe had a decent life, but I'm sure there was lots of trauma. Yeah. So Sacagawea gave birth to a daughter who, who they named Lizette in August of 1812. Unfortunately, soon after her health Soon after, her health started to decline, and she became extremely ill by December mm-hmm. with what they think was typhoid fever. Uh-oh. She died on December 22nd, 1812, at 25 years old. Within a year, Clark became legal guardian of both Lizette and Baptiste, who was Pomp. Isn't that crazy? I'm confused. So Clark, Clark became the legal guardian of both kids. But she died. Yeah, so he took both kids. Sacagawea died and Clark took oh, both I kids. Oh, I thought you said Lisette died. No, okay, okay, no Sacagawea sorry. died. Oh, okay, sorry. I was so confused. I'm like, why would he have custody? No, so the Sacagawea father... had typhoid fever and died right okay. after the baby was born. Okay. I just, I so I guess the father didn't want him. I don't know. He sounds like a douche. Well, but the father, too, and not defending him, don't get me wrong, but he could have been, like, you know, like working all the time and couldn't. And back, you know, back yeah. until up until, like, the 40s, men didn't raise kids on their own. Well, Clark raised them. I know, but on his own. But he probably led, he probably had servants and shit like that. Whereas oh, maybe, yeah. Her father, you know, their her uh, Sacagawea's husband didn't have any of that. He was like a working man. So they think um, Lizette died when she was pretty young. Like there's okay. no f- confirmation, but they think she died pretty young. Pomp traveled to Europe and held a variety of jo- jobs in the American West before he died in 1866. Tucson died in 1843. And I just I want to acknowledge that this isn't like a story about. You know, all these people getting along and going on this great trip and doing these great things. You know, Sacagawea was a child bride. Um, I'm sure she didn't want to go on the expedition and was forced to. And God knows what those men did to her while she was while she was there. Well, I mean, I hope that her husband protected her. But well, I think he I don't think he was a great guy. Um, And they so I, I didn't know this, but apparently the tribes back then would give their wives because they were like polygamous and they would give their wives to the white men who would come and let them like have sex with them. Oh no. And so there was lots of like venereal disease and Oh so she yeah. Oh God. So who knows if if that was what was going on. Yeah. I mean but, that opens a lot of Right. Opportunities, you know, for So all we have the only documentation we have is the writings of the old white men who were on the trip. Mm-hmm. And so we don't know her story. So you know wonder, what I mean? I wonder if um, she and Lewis were having an affair. No, Clark. Clark, I'm sorry. We're having That's an what affair. I was wondering. Because, I mean, like, was he paying her husband and having an affair with her? I you mean, know, I and, could go down this, like, rabbit hole Right, for and hours, it could but... be that her husband didn't even care. It was just, like... Have, yeah, using but he her was for sex, make some you know what I mean? Right, was, that's true. You yeah. know, so he was like, okay, um, in order for you know, I don't know. I yeah, just, who knows? But, but either way, she's still a really important part of American history because she she um, led Lewis and Clark on the expedition, and they probably would have died without her. You know? Yeah. Well, that's true. So that's the story of Sacagawea. I had that's... so much fun researching that. 
really cool. That's really cool. I love that. You know, when you get that story that you're just like, whoa, I didn't know this. Yeah, right. I, I didn't really know anything about it. Well, and it's also like local, so it makes it a little more yeah, interesting. Yeah, right. That's yeah. true. That's true. That's really cool. Maybe I should do all local stories from now on. There you go. That's a good idea, Rose. Yeah. I'll do only Virginia. Only Virginia. Virgins. Only virgins in Virginia. <laughs> all right. We're going to take a break. Okay. Get a new drink. Get Be some back. dinner. Bye. Bye. We're back. We're back. How was your We're dinner, back. Rose? Oh, my God. It was so good. I, I had a piece of cheese. And a little piece of oh, pita and, bread. Oh, and a, a tiny quarter sliver. of a pita bread. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I, I was so wrapped up in making a fancy drink for Mardi Gras that I forgot my food, which wasn't much, but, yeah, now I want to eat, Are like, you starving yourself? four burgers. Yeah, I'm trying to starve myself. So oh, okay. Like, no, I just couldn't get my shit together, and because I'm so busy at work, I, like, worked until the very last second oh. that I had to leave, and okay. so, yeah. Well, I shared one little quarter of pita bread with her, so. Yeah, she's so nice, and I then she a... gave me a sip of water. Like <laughs> and I'm a grape. fucking jail. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll be fine. I'm. I have food at home. I have actually left out, um, my meal prep, which was so good. I made from um, was it stuff? Yeah, I think it was sweet, savory, and stuff. But it was like a spaghetti squash with the alouette garlic and herb cheese mixed in. Mm. And so, cooked spaghetti squash. You mix that in. You put it in. A, well, she puts it back in the shell. I put it in a baking dish. I'm not messing with the shell. And then, or, the, you know, the, the spaghetti sauce. And then she <laughs> cooks some, like, chicken um, pieces and um, grape tomatoes or cherry tomatoes and, like, mixed some seasoning and then roasted them and then uh-huh. put them all on top of the spaghetti squash with some mozzarella cheese. Oh, my God. Fresh mozzarella. That sounds It good. is so freaking good. I made her And the um, portion is ginormous. Yeah, I know. Her her portions are always yeah. big. Yeah. I made her shrimp scampi the other night. Oh, I love shrimp. Joseph and Chris really liked that. Joseph ate, I think, I gave him, like, because he was at tryouts. And when he came home, I had just piled, like, all, everything that was left on uh-huh. there. And it must have been, like, 10 to 15 shrimps. And he ate it in, like, three seconds. <laughs> oh, my God. You know how you are. Do you remember? Did you play sports at all in high school? I didn't go to high school and oh, I was getting true. drunk the whole that's, time. That's, that's all there is that. But yeah, I mean, like, I remember being a kid and coming home. Well, even just as a kid, you come home and you're starving. Like, yeah, like from all, school. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah. I remember so. that too, but we never had food. So, so you ready for me to tell you I some am. stuff, Rose? So, I have a little trigger warning for mine. There's oh, uh, for domestic abuse, murder, and drug abuse. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Sorry. I got to go. Yeah. So, when's gonna do this one yeah. alone? Right. When is your therapy appointment? <laughs> yeah. It's actually tomorrow. Yeah. There you go. They're perfect. 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 So, um, Sally McNeil. Do you know who she is, Rose? I don't. Okay. She was born in Allentown, Pennsylvania, in 1960. That's where my mom was born. <gasps> really? Yeah. That's where my mom's from. So we're living here in Allentown, and they're closing all the factories down. Do you know? That's a song. Oh, Jesus, Rose. What is that? Beach Boys? Beach Boys? <laughs> Get out of here. What is it? It's, um, isn't it, um, oh my God, why did I just forget his name? It's, um, not Bruce Horns, what's his name? Um, Bruce the guy Winston. from New York. What's his name? Oh my God, my phone's dead. Oh Anthony my God. Wiener. <laughs> the guy, he, oh my God, he was married to, um, Oh shit, Christy Brinkley. What was what's his name? Christy Brinkley, huge singer in New York. He was married to Christy Brinkley. 
originally? Um, oh, God. Frank Sinatra? No. Just Google who was married to Christy who Brinkley. Who married Christy Brinkley first? Married to Christy. Oh, my God. It's driving me crazy. Uh, it's like on the tip of my tongue. Peter Cook? No. Richard Tubman? No. Billy Joel? Billy Joel. <sighs> he, she was married to Billy Joel That before. was not her first. She was married to Peter Cook, then Richard Tubman. No. Tub- Tubman. No, she married Billy Joel first, then then Peter. That's not what Google says. Google says she was married to Peter Cook. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I don't know how to read. Thank you. Thank you. Who's right? No, she was married to Billy Fran- Francis Francis Alox from 1973 to 81. And then, and she then married- Billy Joel. And then Peter. 85 to 94. You know and then she- Richard, and then Peter. So you know why she was married? Uh, so Richard or Peter? One of them, she was in a like a traumatizing plane incident with and they like connected and ended up she left really yeah so i'm pretty sure that's her but um yeah so billy joel i know billy joel billy joel i I can't believe i couldn't think of his name anyway okay anyway she was born in allentown in 1960 what year was your mom born 1955 oh my god oh my god what if they were bffs (gasps) was she a kid when this happened no. No. Okay. No, she was an adult. I don't know. I don't know she what wasn't in about. Allentown. Uh, no, she wasn't in Allentown. Okay. So she lived in a working class neighborhood, and which was somewhat diverse. Her parents were alcoholics and very racist. Sound familiar? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. I'm just My saying. parents were not racist alcoholics. Oh well, there you go. So <laughs> they probably didn't. Well, was you, your grandparents lived there? So I wonder. Yeah. So I don't know. Your mom might know. My the story. grandparents were not alcoholics. No, I'm not saying they, they were, were but I'm saying racist. they lived in... So they may, they may know the story. Yeah, no, they probably do. Yeah, so when she was three, her mother... But they're re- dead, so we can't ask uh, Well, them. we can't ask them. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> when she was three, her mother remarried. Her mother and stepfather had soon had two more children. And you know what that means. The two children were always treated better than Sally and her First siblings. of all, that's not always how it goes. Okay? Okay? Joseph... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm I'm saying that. So she came into the family with three kids, and then she and her husband he didn't have any kids, and so typically that's what happens. I'm not saying this happens. Your husband is definitely, definitely different than most. He's a lot different. Than a most. lot different. Yes, and his parents are amazing too. Because I remember yeah. like just when you guys like first started kind of dating how great his parents were to yeah and they, I, they i commented to them i was like i just love watching you. i mean they're so good to him yeah they always have they been. always have been since like day one they were like acted like his grandparents yeah and i yeah. i just love that so anyway so they were always treated better than sally and her siblings um they were alcoholics too so you have to remember yeah i know they were obviously thing, like so. in a... sally speaks about how her stepfather was physically abusive to her she didn't talk about her siblings or anything but so she was very athletic throughout high school. She felt like this was the only way for her parents to appreciate or notice her. Oh. Um, so like she Christina. Per- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, Christina. She participated in several sports, but she loved diving the most. She was a pa- according to her friends she grew up with, she was really talented in diving. Like one oh, of her wow. friends in an interview. So I watched the Netflix, there's a Netflix series called Killer Sa- Killer Sally and she one of her friends from high school was interviewed and talked about how amazing she was at diving. And there's some video of her diving and like she could have definitely gone places with diving. Does she become a killer? 
No, could that's just the killer name. Killer Sally. Would you would you <laughs> shut up and listen? You're the one who gave it away. The killer Sally was is the name of the documentary. But I know, but you're the one telling us the name of the documentary know, and giving away the whole story. Now you ruined the whole that. thing. I didn't ruin it. You want me to stop? I'll just stop. <laughs> I can go home. I can go home. I have a little bit of hurricane left. I'll just go home and drink it all by myself. I don't fucking care. <laughs> oh, shit. Shit. I said, oh, shit. Oh, shit. I'm trying to stop cursing for Lent. Even Are though you? I, don't, I don't really You're doing a great job. <laughs> I don't. I'm Followed not... fucking up by shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't like. I'm not a, a religious person at all, but I I do try and do something for Lent, just you know, as a challenge for myself and just to make myself a better person. I try to quit cursing, and then I'm around Rose, and she's such a potty mouth. When is Lent? Right now. Is it? It starts for how long? Ash Wednesday, which was yesterday. Oh, that's right. It's like forty something days. I, I didn't see end. anyone with ashes on their forehead yesterday. Usually, I see a bunch of people. Yeah. And the first person I'm always like, because I don't pay attention to that because I'm not religious. But like, excuse me, you're first, something on your yeah, head. I'm like, what? <laughs> What's happening? Anyway, so she couldn't continue on with her sports because her parents couldn't afford to pay for her to continue to swim on teams and travel, and yeah. etc. You know that roads. Yeah, we have that expense. Either. That expense of travel sports. She did have a boyfriend for several months in high school, but kept her relationship on the down low. Oh. One day, her mother and stepfather came into her bedroom and screamed at her, you're dating an N-word. Oh, God. Her parents yelled, screamed, and spit on her <gasps> and told her she would be grounded for the entire summer. So Sally had to break up with her boyfriend. Oh, my God. Dating a black boy. She graduated from high school and went on to East Stroudsburg State College to hopefully become a gym teacher. That was her dream. She made it through three and a half years of college and then ran out of money. Oh, my God. Only one semester left, and she ran out of money. So she reached out to her parents and asked if they would help her with the last semester of, of college, not. and they refused. Assholes. She had to Could leave college. Could you imagine telling your kid that? I know. Like, I'm because... sure maybe they didn't have money, but still, like, you try to find a way. You know what I mean? So Caitlin was my first, even though she's my middle child, she was my first child to go to college. And there was no way we could afford it. But Chris did go to college and graduate. Chris, he did go to college later but and graduate on all his own. I know. I just academics. want to give him yeah. credit for what he But did. I said to Caitlin, I don't care what we have to do. We're, you're going to college. And so right, exactly. I took on a, a way more loans than I can. And dear God in heaven, please <laughs> forgive some student loans. Mama, She's regretting no that money. now. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, she didn't want to go back home because obviously she was probably not very happy with her parents at this point. So yeah. she joined the Marines. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. I feel like if you're going to join military, you should join Marines. As a woman, you think? I mean. I mean, I'm not trying to be sexist, but I, I think I would join the Coast Guard or something a little less. The Marines are so, it's so tough. Yeah, but she's probably that tough. whole boot camp, I'd be like. Right, but. Like, Where's my wine? <laughs> <laughs> But imagine, like, what a badass she must be. Like, if you think you can, like, I wouldn't join the Marines, but if you think that oh, you're, yeah, she's very athletic. You're, and, like, yeah. enough of a badass to join the Marines, well, and that's pretty awesome. She definitely was enough of a badass to join the Marines. So she stayed in the Marines for 11 years. While she was in, she started bodybuilding in order to protect herself. Oh, Can't imagine probably from why the she had to do Marines. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she met her first husband, Tony, in June of 1982. They had two children. She said Tony was so good to her, and they were so in love. And then when they got married, things changed for the worst. Oh, God. She constantly had to watch him because she never knew when he was going to sucker punch her. He was (gasps) terribly abusive. 
Oh my god. Yeah. It was And two years like they got married two years after they got together? Is that what you said? Um she first met him in eighty two. I didn't say. Oh, I thought you said two years. Um and then they had two children. Oh, That's two what children. I said. I was like, what is she talking about? I don't know. That's crazy. Um, their domestic disputes were very loud, and they were living in military housing. You know what that's like, Rose. So it didn't take long for both of their superior officers superior officers, to find out what was going on. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine? I mean, you know, those, those things are not ass. built well. Um, so I'm sure that due to the fighting and the loud disputes, she received orders to go to Camp Pendleton in California. So they're married, and she received orders. So that was probably, like, her supporting her – um, what's it called? Um, officer. Yeah, like superior officer. Superior officer and his superior officer probably got together and said, well, let's get rid of one of them. Right. So. Oh, so he, I didn't realize he was also in the military. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, sh- they, they shipped the her off. Yeah, they shipped wow. her off to California. So after, after four years of very hostile marriage at the age of 27, she filed for divorce. She took the kids and she left to start a whole new life in California. She her. was She really loved her kids and she was a good mom from what I've gathered through all this. At this point, Sally had given a birth to given given a birth. <laughs> given a birth. Given a birth. <laughs> <laughs> Dear God in heaven, is it Saturday? <laughs> I'm so, I'm so she had given a birth. Given a birth. At this point, Sally had given birth to three children, one of whom she had put up for adoption. When I read that, I was like Three kids. Wait, what? And I was like scrambling. I was like, wait, what? What happened? And then I saw that she gave up one for mm-hmm. adoption, which is sad. I don't. I honestly don't know at what point in her life she had the, the oh, first okay. or the yeah. third, second kid. Oh, keep hitting my mic. Sorry. I, I'm Italian, so I talk with my hands. So you're going to hear tinging of me hitting the microphone because I can't not yeah. talk without my hands. She's ruining our podcast one I, ting at a time. Sorry, one ting at a time. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm bum bum. She's here all week, ladies and gentlemen. So her divorce was finalized from Tony in May, and then she met a Jamaican native named Ray in June. Oh. Ray McNeil also had been stationed at Camp Pendleton. He was coming from Okinawa, Japan. Oh. I hope I said that correctly. Yeah, Okinawa. Um, Okinawa. Sally said it was lust at first sight. She, they were all about each other, and because she was bodybuilding at this point, and so was he, and so he got a some, one of his friends was like, "You got to check out this this chick that just got here. She's like unbelievable, and yeah, I mean, she was like super like yeah. fitness like built. So they dated for three months and got married. Red flag number one, right? <laughs> they moved off. Come on, base. Sally. Yeah, I know. They moved off base and rented a two bedroom apartment two blocks from the ocean in Oceanside, California, which sounds amazing to me. She was totally in love with Ray. She was like all about him. And I mean, let me he, guess, he started beating the shit out of her. Three days after they were married, <laughs> Ray punched her in the face. Yeah. Soon after, he came back to her and apologized, brought her flowers, and she took of him course. back. Of course. I mean, several months later, there was another altercation, and Ray punched Sally and broke her nose. Oh, my God. She told her sergeant, because she showed up for duty with a broken nose, yeah. and she couldn't deny what had happened. And I was thinking to myself, she could have said, you know, like, me, as a survivor of, like, abuse. Right. Like, I think to myself, um, domestic abuse, not my my parents didn't abuse me. 
Um, but thinking about like, I would have been like, okay, well, I was lifting weights in the bar. F- I, I right, literally yeah, went right. to that place. Like, how could she have? And I'm like, why do I do that? Right. Because that was your survival attack. That's how you survive. Yeah, I immediately went to that place yeah. of she could have hidden it by saying this, that, and I'm like, oh my god, that You're that really there. it freaked me out. Therapy, yeah. <laughs> red flag number two. <laughs> so she eventually, so Ray was put in jail because of the altercation, and she eventually dropped the charges, and he was released from of jail. Course. Um, on the other hand, she was doing really well with her bodybuilding. Her first competition was on Valentine's Day, 1987. I'm surprised she didn't just punch these guys back. Like, I, like right. But she, she just, I think, I guess, grew up I mean, taking ab- it. Yeah, right. Abuse is abuse. But I think, I also think she did have definitely a little bit of a temper. But where she displayed that, right. we don't know. Yeah. Her first competition was on Valentine's Day of 1987. She took fourth place in the Armed Forces Bodybuilding Championship. Wow. Freaking crazy. Yeah. Both of the children remember a lot of the physical abuse from Ray. He would make one kid watch the other get physically punished if they both did something wrong. They would they both talked about during the documentary I watched, um, about how traumatic their childhood was. Oh my god, that's so sad. So I can understand, like I I can't understand it, but like someone who's abusive who flies off the handle. Yeah. And and gets in a rage and abuses. But I cannot understand people like that who like seek pleasure from like hurting kids or hurting people and making like that kind of like sadistic but i don't think i think he was mentally unwell and i think it's because of the bodybuilding and the steroids that come along with maybe and and i'm not saying that's an excuse by any means but i think that the steroid i've definitely i i mean i've taken steroids and they for like have you yeah, like not for like bodybuilding. Oh. for fuck's sake! I mean, <laughs> I was like, have you looked at me? My God! I was like, is there a part of your life I don't know about? <laughs> <laughs> under this, under these clothes, I'm really cut, and I have a six pack abs. No, I've taken steroids for like, like when I have poison ivy and stuff, and they definitely made me feel a little more. Oh unedged. yeah, for sure. And I mean, it was like very minimal, but I can't even imagine like the amount of steroids you take. Right. And Chris has talked to me about that because he and Brandon did bodybuilding, and really? like. Not body, Brandon did bodybuilding, but they did a lot of like fitness, and they and and he's like, oh yeah, in order for somebody to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, or like that kind of stuff, yeah. they're doing steroids. And I'm like, really? He's like, people don't look like that unless they're doing drugs. And I was wow. like, really? I was. That's what I've been mind. missing. I've been trying so hard. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's just drugs, Rose. You just need more drugs. <laughs> Obviously. I say we go with weed, and then we just have snacks and get fat and happy. But, you know, <laughs> that does sound to a lot each better. his own. <laughs> Instead of getting roid rage. Yeah, right. But how did you know? Where did you get that word from? I know roid, roid rage. That's, like, down in the story. You just blew it for oh, me, sorry. Rose. I'm sorry. I already told everyone she's a killer. I... <gasps> Rose, you ruined it. Was I'm this... leaving. <laughs> I think I know this story. Oh, my God. This was on, on TV, wasn't it? It was on, on Netflix. Netflix. Yes. Oh, my God. I wanted to watch this. Everybody was talking about it's it. It's like, how do you know the term roid rage? Like, I've, I've, I've known the toy. The toy. The toy. The toy. Roid rage forever. I've never heard that term. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm never, I've never been with somebody that had muscles. <laughs> <laughs> I've always known that term, but it, I it just occurred to me that that's the the documentary 
that you're talking about. Yeah. Because uh, I remember every, I didn't watch it, but I remember everyone talking about it and I wanted to watch it. And well, yeah. And, and like every time, like when it first came out, every time we turn on Netflix, it like pops yeah, up. Right, yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. So now I'm really interested. Before so when I wasn't. the family went anywhere, they attracted attention. People would stare because, uh, so they were at like, there was like a vid- part of the video, they were at like Epcot or something. Yeah. And he's wearing like one of those skimpy oh, tank so tops hard. and he's like all cut and she's wearing something like that. And he's wearing like literally like spandex kind of oh pants. My God. And they're just like showing off their bodies yeah. because that's what bodybuilders do. And so they, people would be like, what the hell? Like attack- attracting attention. My sister in law is a bodybuilder. What? Um, Canela's wife, Libby. What? She, yeah, she used to be a bodybuilder and like enter competitions and stuff. Really? I don't think she's done it since her second. Does my, she beat my his ass on the reg? She should. I mean, really? she needs to get back in shape and, and start beating his ass, but. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she has that. a rocking body. Um, So, yeah, so they would stare, but also it was the 80s and they were an interracial couple, so that oh, would yeah, bring sure other that. stares. And then her two children, so her first husband was black as well. And her two children had blonde hair and light eyes, but they had really dark, not really dark skin, but somewhat dark skin. Yeah. But, I mean, they're gorgeous, obviously. Right. So when they were, they had this, like, curly, like, wiry, like, blonde hair. Right. And these beautiful light eyes. I mean, like, interracial kids, to me, are the most beautiful children because they're just, like, they have the beautiful hair and the gorgeous skin. I know. Skin. If they get, the, like, the right features. Yes, like, yes. They, yeah. So her kids, so th- when they were at Epcot, there was, like, at, for an example, like people are just staring at them like nobody's been, like just off. That's what people do when, at me when I go out. Yeah, well, people stare at me all the time. They're like, I wish I had her body <laughs> all the time. I'm sorry, you guys. When Lynn happens. and I go out, oh my God. It's oh my God, like, people like die. We have to like, like beat people off out. of us. Yeah. Yeah. I have to bring, I have to bring a cane. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You have to tell the cane story. <laughs> I have to bring a cane so I can beat people off. <laughs> oh, God, what did I just say? Lynn no, <laughs> loves to beat people off. <laughs> I'll tell the cane story in a minute, but okay. at the end of this, but the cane story right, is right, pretty right, fucking right. funny. Oh, pretty, pretty freaking funny, sorry. So in 1990, 1990, 1990, 1990, 1990, Sally and Ray won the Armed Forces Bodybuilding Championships, the first husband and wife team to win two separate events at the same competition. Oh, wow. It's pretty cool. The kids were very involved in the competitions. They were always backstage and remember all the aspects of the event. I mean, the kids talked about how exciting it was. They were like, the son and the daughter were like, they met Lou Ferrigno at the time, was the Incredible Hulk. And they okay, were like, yeah. oh, my God. Oh, I bet. And they met Arnold Schwarzenegger, and and they had, um, and then they had, like, he, the son, was, like, he's an adult now in this in this interview, but he's, like, there was women that were just so beautiful, and I just, like, oh, my God, I couldn't, like, I oh was my just, God. like, and, it, you know, they were, like, you're so cute. And he was just, like, ah. Yeah, you know? right. It was, like, it was very cute. But so the kids were there and, like, in the midst of the whole thing. So also in 1990, due to her poor record in the Marines, she was demoted and then not allowed to reenlist. So I'm like, that happens? Like, they'll take anybody. But not They won't take anybody, I should not say. Not the that, Marines. Yeah, I guess the so. The Army So will. she wasn't allowed to reenlist. So money was very Believe tight. Believe me. <laughs> what did you say? I said the Army will. Believe, Believe me. Will. Yeah. Mm, yeah, they will. Um, so money was really tight for the family. Um, and then I wonder, like, is it? 
the price of the food to feed two people that are working out needing like you know oh and I'm sure they have to have foods. a gym membership. Yeah, I mean, well, she talks about how they were they members of Golds like me, so they were probably trying to copy me. What's so important over there, Rose? Somebody's texting me. You're texting somebody. It's my boyfriend. My side piece. Your side piece. Yeah. You don't know about him. Is that your sister's husband? Oh my. <laughs> Lynn. I almost threw up. <laughs> That's so disgusting. <laughs> you can edit that out if you want. That was funny. <laughs> Christina, you are so Christina gross. Christina just wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not that my brother-in-law is gross, but no, he's like my. I've yet. known him since I was like, like fourteen. Yeah, no, so no. he's like my brother. You and can cut that up. But yeah. <laughs> so money was really tight for the family, and so I wonder if it was the price of the food for two people that are working out and taking steroids, like mm-hmm. eating massive amounts of steaks and foods, and you know, like protein, <laughs> or was it the illegal drugs, the steroids? Probably both. Yeah. So she and, and Ray, entering competitions yeah, they, and gym memberships and steroids. Yeah, and, so that well the the drugs, oh, the yeah, steroids, the drugs. but the gym membership too. But I mean, back then gym memberships probably weren't like what. Yeah, they are but now. it was like equivalent to what it is now. I'm sure. Like if it was you know fifty dollars a month I bet back then, it was then. so much cheaper back then because people weren't like really into gyms back then. Like they, are. I mean, like only bodybuilders were. Average Joes didn't go to the gym back then. Who, so anyway, who she you calling an average Joe. <laughs> Not me. (laughs) She and Ray were both taking steroids during the competitions, which were illegal and expensive. Sally would get into the car and take the two kids to Tijuana to get steroids. In Mexico, you could buy them in the pharmacia without a prescription. Oh, wow. Sally had a spot in the trunk where she would hide the drugs when coming over the border. So during the doc- in the documentary, during her interview, um, they asked her about this. Like, there's a lot of things they talked about and stuff like that. And she was pretty frank. And the interview with her was she was still in jail. And she said, um, they asked her about it. And she said, I don't want to talk about this. And I was like, ooh. And she said, it makes, it makes me look like a bad mom. Yeah, I was going to say she felt like a bad yeah, mom. Yeah, and she yeah. said she knew it was wrong. And she regretted bringing the kids into an illegal yeah, situation. I and understand it, it, it made me sad for her yeah. because... She was, you know, in my opinion, she was just trying to do stuff for her husband. Like, because yeah. she loved him. But so one day, while at a strong woman competition, she was approached by a man who sold wrestling videos for a living. He hired women bodybuilders to wrestle with men and sold the videos. The men who were subjected to the wrestlers, I say subjected in air quotes, were doing it for a thrill. It was loosely called a fetish, and the man making the videos didn't like to call it a fetish because it made him seem sleazy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's call a spade a spade. Yeah, right. Mother freaker. Mother freaker. I caught myself. I caught myself. (laughs) So Sally did this for a long time and made a lot of money. She traveled all over to meet men in their homes or hotel rooms. During the documentary, they asked her. Oh, my her, God. I could still do that. I would for sure wrestle some men. Fucking <laughs> like she's not having sex with freaking, them? Yeah. No, well, during the documentary, they said, did anybody ever try and have sex with you? And she was like, no, never. Um, yeah, for sure they did. Because you know they have like. If it was a fetish. They no, for but sure these guys are like, yeah, they have a boner the minute she walks in the yeah, room. Like, sure. they're not going to try and do something. And, and I mean, but if, she probably, like, broke it or them or whatever. Right. She was like, but if being wrestled by a woman was their fetish, they, of course, had a boner. Yeah, I mean, and, ew. Ugh. 
But they were probably scared of her because it's probably like fat. Well, the other thing is she said is um, she was like the, you know, there was like construction workers like Wall Street people. And so she was so funny. She said, and there was like people from Wall Street. And she goes, those Wall Street Journal people. (laughs) The documentary (laughs) made me laugh. She just like had a like, you know, a little bloop. But she said um, they would act, they smelled like they just gone to the bathroom and come to see me. But the construction workers, boy, they were clean, smelled great. Really? So funny. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Because they're so fucking pompous. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Freaking. I can't imagine a construction worker smells good. I mean, I guess if... I feel like a construction worker would take a shower before. Right. I'm imagining them coming from, like, the construction site, but they're probably showering before. Because they're probably more aware of their stink. You know what I mean? No, exactly. So they're going to be clean. Yeah. Exactly. So Sally was making up to $300 an hour from what people were calling at the time muscle prostitution. Wow. That's how much we make on this podcast. It is. 300. (laughs) Rose, don't lie. It's 245. (laughs) She had taken this, taken on the screen name for her muscle prostitution advertisements as. (laughs) (laughs) I'm nodding at Rose, (laughs) expecting her to fill in the blank and she can't. Killer Sally. Oh, Killer Sally. Okay. So, just to give you some background. So there is um, – I'm going to try and figure out – dear Lord, I'm going to try and do Lent, so you have to help me here. Um, I'm going to try and figure out how to do a reel with a video in it. Did you just say a prayer? I did. To help you with a um, reel? Because um, there is a part of the trailer to the documentary that shows where she's, like, doing a promo for her business of doing the yeah. wrestling. And she's, like, doing the splits on a – um, what's that thing called? Like with the coffee table? Rose. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. A tank. A tank? What the, <laughs> the fuck is a tank? Table. A tank, like a military tank with the big... Well, guns. how is I supposed to guess that? I don't know, but why would you say coffee table? Why would table? you say tank? Because she was a badass bitch. I know, but... So anyway, so she's doing this that. that she's holding house. like a sawed-off shotgun and her nickname became Killer Sally because she was a Marine. And, like, oh, it was, okay, like, okay, on. okay, I see. Oh, Jesus, Rose. Ray was costing the family a lot of money at this point. The steroids, competition fees, massive amounts of food he was eating, and the travel were adding up. Sally became the main income source for the household. In 1993, she spent $24,000 from her own muscle prostitution career on Ray's bodybuilding pursuits. That's a lot. So Ray decided, "Mm, let me take advantage of this situation. Of course. In 1994, he decided he wanted to try acting classes, then maybe become a stand-up comic. Yeah, why not? I got this bitch over here taking care of me. That same year, Sally entered the USA Championships, North Americans, and NPC Nationals, where she placed fifth as a middleweight at the U.S. and sixth and 16th in the heavyweight division at the North Americans Nationals. You go, girl. It was well known around the gym and bodybuilding circuit that Ray was not faithful to Sari. <laughs> to Sari? <laughs> it was well known around the gym and bodybuilding circuit that Ray was not faithful to Sally. Of course, she's killing herself to support him and he's fucking around. Yeah, of Go course. figure. Imagine. Not shocking I, at all. I can't imagine. Hmm. Sally had a pretty bad Lynn temper. would never do that. I would never. No, I would have done that in the past, but I wouldn't like pamper a man like that anymore. Sally had a pretty bad temper. Sally had a pretty bad temper, though. 
she did have a pretty violent record and was known that it was very widely known in the town she was living in that it would take several cops to detain her if she was in a fight. <laughs> wow. She was huge. And you, if you go to our website and look at the photos for this, there's a picture of her and on the tank doing the splits with the sawed-off shotgun, yeah. her and Ray, and then a picture of... Um, and then there's one more picture. I'll tell you about that later. So on Valentine's Day in 1995, the day was coming to an end. Sally was putting the kids to bed, but Ray wasn't home yet. So she's like, what the fuck? It's Valentine's. She figured out it was – she figured he was at the local bar having drinks. So she put the kids to bed. She walked over to ask a neighbor to sit with the kids while she went to bed. I'm sorry, while she went to the bar to meet Ray. When she got home, she started to get dressed and put on makeup. It was after 10 o'clock, and Ray finally came home. He asked her where the hell was she think she was going. She said she was going to the bar to see if he was there oh, so they yeah. could spend some time together. Gaslighting, like, what are you yeah. doing, crazy? Yeah, of course, she's the crazy yeah. one, right? The kids knew it was coming next as their parents' voices started to get oh, their parents' voices started to get louder. It's so sad. Ray was standing in the kitchen making some chicken for himself when Sally insisted he explained where he had been. Their daughter remembers hearing the familiar sound of her mother making a gurgling sound, which meant Ray was choking her again. She had seen this many times before. Oh my before. god, that's so awful. Sally got away from Ray and went to the closet where she kept a 12-gauge sawed-off shotgun. She put the shell in it. She put a shell in it, walked back into the kitchen and shot Ray while he stood at the stove. She blew a hole right through his six-pack abs. Ray fell to his knees. Sally loaded the second bullet and shot Ray right in the mouth. Wow. She called 911 and very calmly told the operator that she had just shot her husband because he was beating her. Her daughter can be heard in the background of the 911 call screaming. Oh, my God. Then she ran to the neighbor's house screaming, my mom shot my dad. While waiting for the police to arrive, Sally handed a neighbor the gun and said, I just wanted him to leave me alone. When the police arrived, Ray was still alive and conscious. While Sally was telling the police what had happened, that he had choked her, he was shaking his head and saying, no, 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 that's not what happened. Two hours later, two hours later in the hospital, Ray was pronounced dead. Sally was charged with murder. And in the documentary, it's really sad. It shows her in the interrogation room. And it shows them letting her kids come in. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And they're like, and the kids are saying, like, the son says, Mom, the police officer at the house said if he was hitting you, then they would, then it would be self-defense. Right. Just say that. Just say, Mom, you have to tell them it was self-defense. We know it. And it, it was so oh heart-wrenching. Because the kids are little. They're, like, under 12. Oh, really? Like, oh the daughter God, may be so 12 traumatic. and the boy was, like, maybe 10. Yeah. But anyway, um. Blood tests revealed that both Sally and Ray were on steroids at the time of the homicide. She was on Deca Dur Dura Bolin. Mm -hmm. That's right. Is that right? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I was like, how do you know that? And then Ray had five different kinds of steroids. Oh in my his god! Blood. During the trial, her attorney used the defense that she was a battered wife and a victim of roid rage. Which I can't believe you said that because it just blew me up. <laughs> I'm like, what? I've never heard this in I feel my like that's entire very life. Very common. That's so weird that you've never heard that. Well, I've never been in the bodybuilding range. life. I guess you have. Her that's what we say when the kids take steroids and they're like, they have roid rage. What kids? Like when the kids are on steroids. Like Charlotte's been on steroids oh, for like for fives like, and, yeah, okay, and yeah. different things. Yeah, I mean that's Joseph what I've gets been, poison yeah. ivy every summer. 
Yeah. So her attorney stated in court, he was quoted as saying, the issue in this case is Sally McNeil's right to four... The issue in this case is Sally McNeil's right to use force in an honest and reasonable manner against her abuser. He said in order to stop the beatings, the rapes, the sodomies, the tortures. And the prosecutor said, the defendant is anything but a battered wife. She is one of the most violent persons I have ever prosecuted, which is so fucking dramatic. Don't even be. Yeah. She's absolutely not. I, I don't care what you say. That's so dramatic. She's. If you're a real prosecutor, let's sure as shit hope that you've prosecuted somebody right. more, more sure, yeah, violent right. than her. Exactly. The jury convicted Sally of second degree murder and sentenced her to 19 years to life. So yeah. she was. So the. I was watching the documentary and they said that, you know, first degree murder, not guilty. And, you know, she was relieved. And then, but she was found guilty of second degree murder. Her first husband, husband, husband. her first husband, Tony Loden, told police that Sally had come unhinged after getting into bodybuilding. And this is the whole drunk thing, I think, in my opinion. This right. Opinion. Yeah. This, the... He said she's been, she had been arrested in 1990 for putting a pistol on him and shattering his car windows with a crowbar. Days later, she had a violent fight with McNeil, her second husband, and dropped a 70-pound weight on his car from a balcony as he was leaving. You go, girl. <laughs> also, in 1990, she was sprayed with mace after she fought with police officers who were called to investigate the well-being of her children, which, I'm sorry, I... I don't know what happened in that situation, but if police were coming in and with my kids, I yeah. would probably get sprayed with mace, Lynn too. Lynn would for sure fight. Yeah, I would be fighting. <laughs> so Sally served 25 years in prison. She was – so she was served 19 – she was she was given 19 to life, and she was – she served 25 years. She was released the summer of 2020. Her daughter, an adult now, who has a son of her own, was – also in an abusive relationship for three oh. years, but is now living alone with her son and feeling confident about the decisions she's making. Sally's son lives in Texas. He also has a child. I think it's a girl. I, I'm pretty sure it's a girl. He's done five combat, to- combat tours in Afghanistan, and as a result of war and his life growing up, suffers from PTSD. I bet. He's had drug and alcohol addiction and went, and tre- went into treatment. He seems to be doing much better now as well. Sally lives in North Carolina and has remarried a man named Stuart, whom she met while going to support groups. He's laid back and loves her. Let's hope that's true. He seems very, very laid back. Yeah. Um, but it's a very cool documentary, and it's it's definitely an interesting story, story because I feel like, like there's the back and forth. I feel like I wonder, Rose, how much of her... The prosecution is based on the fact that she is, like, a very well-built, muscular woman. Right. Like, can you really imagine this woman getting beat? Well, it doesn't – I don't care if you're seven times the size of somebody. Yeah, Men or women. But also because she's she's had that – lots of interaction with the police where she was violent. And how much of that was, like – she and her husband were out drinking. Right. Well, so it's hard to it's it's really hard to say. But I mean, he I believe 100 percent that he was abusive. Well, one of the things, too, is that they talked about how um, like she was at a, she was at a championship, um, some sort of um, bodybuilding thing. 
And there was a woman who she knew her husband was having an affair with. Yeah. And she confronted her and beat the shit out of her. And, you know, she's pretty freaking strong. So yeah. she beats the shit out of you. You're going to feel it. Right. And I just wonder how much of her, like them saying, oh, yeah, she's like, how could somebody abuse her? Because she's so built. Right. But yeah. People can be a. People can be abused if they're three times the size of their abuser. Oh, for sure. And it can be, it can be like emotional. It can be verbal. It can be physical. It can be anything. It doesn't. That has nothing to do with it. But I feel like now, even now, but back then more so, I think that it was, you know. Oh, please look at this woman. There's no way that yeah. she's getting beat up. And he's. But I mean, her husband was like huge. Like if you look at the pictures on our website, is he you much guys, bigger than her? He's. Oh my God, he's like. Absolutely. Look, Google him. Google his picture. His name's Ray Neal. Ray Neal. Ray Neal. McNeal. M-C-N-E-I-L. And look at his picture. I mean, he is caught up. He is like... But the two of them, and and then the, the craziness with the steroids added to all of that makes it ten times crazier. Holy shit, he is big. Right? Oh, yeah, and he's much bigger than she is. Yeah, and so they're, you know, they're both like super, super cut. And but I just I mean, based on the fact that she was abused as a child, I think it just trickled down and trickled down or trickled up. Right. And she was in an abusive relationship prior to this. Yeah. Right. And she was abused as a child. So it just she just kept repeating it. But she seems to be, you know, she's she seems to be very happy. Um, And if you watch a documentary, you'll see at the end, you know, toward the end when she talks about her new husband and he seems very like laid back. And I just pray muscles. I know the muscles. I I pray that she that she really, truly is in a non-abusive relationship because I. Yeah. Everyone deserves to have that in their life. I know. I know. So do I. I mean, it's and hopefully after being in prison and off steroids and everything, she kind of. Maybe has some time to reflect and yeah. Well, hopefully she realized. Hopefully she realized that maybe that was a big part of yeah the the problem, the craziness in right. their life was that. And but she has. So I've read a lot of things. So there was like a, I can't remember if it was in the documentary or not, but it was like she and her daughter have met and she's met her grandson and they look all happy and everything. But then there was one story that I was reading toward the end and it was like of my research and it was like she and her son have a very close relationship now but at the time that I was reading it he had not been to see her like one of the things oh, I was looking really? at because he had gone through drug and alcohol rehab yeah. and so he couldn't he wasn't going to leave the state of Texas and he was going to you yeah. know so um but if she has a relationship with any of her kids right now that's a good thing because she really loved them I mean I have no doubt about yeah. that she was a very good protective That's hard mother. I mean that's so complicated for I think a mother because you're just a human being. You know what I mean? And yeah, I mean, and your kids see you as mothers. right, yeah. and your kids see you as this like godly figure as a mother, and mm, you're not like supposed to do anything mother. wrong, and and you're yep. supposed to be perfect, you know? And and we're not. We're just flawed humans. No, I agree completely. And like I still to this day tell my kids, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry about A. I'm sorry about B. And I feel yeah. so guilty sometimes about some I mean, of the I things. do too. No, I mean every mother does. Yeah, them. and like, every and then, mother does. And then my kids are like, "Mom." And so my son said to me um something really really important and he and I, I he and I don't know if it was all three of my kids or he and just one other my daughters or what, I don't remember what it was, but they came to the conclusion that I did the best I could with what I had to work with. Right. So, I mean, like, I came from a 
a pretty solid family, but I was in really bad relationships. And so I was doing the best I could. And like, you know, Chris's stepdad was not really nice to him. So I was trying to keep things right. like from yeah. get escalating. Yeah. And, you know, it's like just kind of like walking on eggshells and, you know, and, ugh, and it was just. When you're in it, it's different than just hearing about it. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? When oh, you're yeah. in it, it's so much more complicated. It's finances and feelings. Oh and my god, yeah. It's so much yeah. more than just you know. Well, you should have left him if he was being if he wasn't being nice oh, to your son, it, right? Yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, like, and people take as I did that commitment when you get married seriously. Even though I did it twice, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did take it seriously, and I'm like, oh, I can do this. I can do this. Like our first husband, I was like, man. He's so much older than me because he was like 12 years older than me. Like, he's going to die before me. So I can stick it out. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't do this. No, like, we weren't even married. I, I, I think like I literally left him when we were we hadn't even been married a full year. Really? When I when I moved oh, out, I didn't know that. like I think by the time we were divorced, it was more than that. But yeah, we weren't even married a full year yeah. when I left him. And because uh, he was very, very, very abusive. And so it's, um, you know, it's like. You just you. Like, finding that ground now, and I think now to myself, there is no way in God's green earth. If a man, I, there's nothing yeah. now. I would throw down in two seconds flat with a guy that tried to right. put his hands But on you've me learned again. so much from since then, and, you, and you've grown so much. And it's like, I mean, your kids know you were a great mother, you know? I mean, I, I know you were because I've heard. And the fact that the, your kids all have this great relationship with you. Yeah. And they wouldn't if you weren't. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I feel like I made so many millions of mistakes, but I feel like I've maintained a good relationship with my kids. So, but like, um, Caitlin just getting like a really great career bump just recently right, yeah. just made me feel so proud of her. Cause I feel like I instilled in her, if nothing else I instilled in her was Hard work. Yeah. Because I've always been a hard worker. And they, right. they, I instilled that in them no matter what. And all my kids are insanely hard workers. Yeah. And, and I just am like, oh, I did it. I did, like, I felt like that was a little bit like, not that I'm saying I, I'm the reason she got but that. But you feel, but I, I feel like, no, I, I mean, I think we all feel that way when our kids accomplish something. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's a little, little. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Like, I, I reach did around and pat right. myself on the shoulder. Yeah. Right. And then Joseph's the same way. He's so sweet. When he watched Penelope, he was such a, like sweet I, I want to say sweet boy but he's like a young man now he's not a boy anymore sorry he's always gonna he be a young a boy, in my boy. but he was so sweet and like kind and you know it's yeah. just but and then like when we were over last weekend and charlotte was so sweet to uh julia i almost said penelope <laughs> <laughs> julia, penelope, <laughs> julia but she was like really patient with her while riding the bike she was super sweet so it was really nice so i know charlotte loves everyone She's so she's like, I just want to play with somebody. I know the next door Perfect. neighbor kid hates me. Both both <laughs> next door neighbor kids. Oh my god! I finally told her like, I was like Charlotte, they don't want to play with you. Like I had to, oh, I had just had to give it that? to her straight. Oh I was god. like, I I was like, I don't. I I had I struggled with it. I'm like, I don't think they want to play. Well, what I told her, I didn't tell her that straight. I said, Do you notice that they never come over here and ask you to play? Yeah. And I said, if they really wanted to play, they would also come over here and ask you. And so maybe that means they don't want to play with you, you know? Yeah. Well, and at that age, they don't have that awareness, obviously. She does not. At all. And, and she like, still asked every day So since. he might just be like, they might just be it's like. It's not that they don't like her because she does play with them. 
like she'll go over and play with them and they'll come over to our house and play but i don't think they want her that they want her bothering them every single day no i think that they're probably maybe like homebody ish or something like that and so i wonder how much of like they're right. just like yeah the one little boy is yeah totally. and she's just like i want to get out and play right. and yeah. yeah charlotte yeah. would like not be home a minute every day if she didn't have to. That's so great, though. Yeah, that's great. The other two, they would stay home all the time if they could. Oh my God. <laughs> they I would wish... never leave the house. No, I need to. We need to definitely get her together with Julia Moore. Yeah, because it's there's too much. Like even if we like meet at Fridays after five or something like yeah, that, and just yeah, get yeah. them together more because both of them could always use that. So I'm 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 totally stumped right now, Rose. So my phone died earlier. Yeah, and. And then all of a sudden, it just started blowing up, and oh, text so messages weird. started coming it's not through. Working? That's super weird. And then I went to look at the text messages, and my phone died again. So and then it came up again, and then it died again. Yeah, it's absolutely That's the so weird. weirdest thing. So I was like, my phone died, so I put it down, and then all of a sudden, I started getting like six text messages. I'm secretly turning it off so you won't look at it. And I looked at it, <laughs> and I went to read them. I read one, and then I went to read the second one, and then my phone totally died again. It's I, so weird. Oh, yeah. I know, yeah. I, I, I think we're drunk, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Liz. I'm not drunk at all, but yes. No. All right, you guys. So please, please steal someone's phone that you know and go on their phone and follow us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, no, I'm not kidding. I'm serious. But follow us on No Ordinary Women, no, no Ordinary Women Pod. On Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok-a. And then on the Twitter, uh, follow us at No Ord Women Pod O R D. And even though we don't post, I'm going to do, do. I'm going to do a little. I'm going to do a little begging. So if you understand social media and are really good at it, and think that you could give me some advice or some friendly comments, even if they're not friendly, I'll accept any of them. Please slide right on into my DMs. Do a foot forward and slide right in. And give me some advice. Things that you like that you see. Things that you don't like that you see. You will not hurt my feelings. I am willing to accept any advice, comments, feedback, anything. Because I'm having a really hard time with it right now because, one, because I'm so busy at work. And two, because I feel like what I'm doing is not great and I want to do better. Like, I, I don't want to do anything like, eh. I want to do everything like super. So if anybody can give me any feedback or any advice or anything like that, that would be fantabulous. So that's all. Because Rose is sick of me not doing my fair share. I am very sick of it. I'm sorry, Rose. I'm over it. If I had money, I'd take you on a vacation. Yeah, well, if I had money, I'd take myself on a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get off give us of a, Give us a review, a rate, and a follow. And share with your friends. And we'll love you forever. And we'll love you forever and ever and ever. Bye. Bye.